0: Hey guys welcome to the end with leaders podcast i'm your host darren and in the coming weeks i'll be interviewing each of my mcvps for you to get to know them not just as a leader but really as a person thanks so much for tuning in and please enjoy hello everyone uh welcome to another episode of end with leaders so today we have our current mcvp tm and also our NCP elect advising in Hong Kong with us. Her name is Dub. hello Dub.
1: Hi, hi everyone.
0: Dub, do you have an English name?
1: Nope, I mean, <laughs> you call me Caitlyn in front of partners and Ra also introduced me as Caitlyn in front of partners. And so I think uh, in front of partners you can regard me as Caitlin. But um, if we, we know each other on a personal context then don't, don't call me Caitlyn, yeah. Why not? Um, it just doesn't represent me. I. If you if on the street and you see me and you go like, Caitlin, I won't think you are, like, referring to me. I'll just walk past.
0: Yeah. Right. So how, how do you first have that English name then?
1: Um, it's like back then in secondary, I joined a camp <clears throat> out of, like, school. And it's like they regarded you, like, you ha- required you to have an English name. And so it was like if you don't have an English name, then you don't have an identity. So I was forced to find one. And I just went on the web and searched for like less than an hour. And I, you know, I just went with Caitlin without any specific reason.
0: So even as time goes by, you you still cannot get used to yourself having an English name like Caitlin.
1: No, I can't. It's just C-dub is the one that I feel most comfortable with. It's like every ever since I was in primary school or kindergarten even, like people would say, oh, do you have an English name? I said, no, you can call me Tan Wun, which is my Chinese name. Back right. then, nobody called me Seedem. And so, um, yeah, I just grew up like that. And I don't think it... I just cannot get used to it.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, so in this podcast, we are going to uh, dig deep into your personal side. Like your <laughs> <laughs> your personal stories before Isaac. Cool. Uh, just so our audience here, whether they're Isaacers from us in Hong Kong or just other Isaacers even... You can get to know the MC team better, right? Yeah. Um, Let's start with your uh, high school experience. Right. Um, How did your high school experience shape you?
1: Um, So I think one example I can give is, um, so we start from the first floor when we are in grade seven or form one. And so slowly you... In form two, you go up a floor, and then Form three, you go up a floor.
0: Were a floor. you in a in an international school? Or no, no, I was like in a,
1: a traditional girls' school. Girls' school. Yeah, so it's like one sex, single sex, single sex. Yeah, school. it's a girls' okay. school. Um, so, so before, it, like from grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, grade ten, and grade eleven, you are not allowed to take the lift. So we had to walk the stairs, and then when you go to grade t- twelve, you get to take the lift. It's like Form six privilege. And um, that floor is also not called like the sixth floor. It's called the floor of Women of Excellence. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you kind of get the idea, right? So um, as you slowly study in this school and for the years you stay in, and then in the final year, you finally reach the standard of Women of Excellence. Yes. So... It gives you a concept of what our school wants to shape. Um, We we really strive for excellence. We really want to be the top. We want to get all those prizes, be the champion. Um, That's one side. And another thing is um, we talk a lot about daily giving service because um, so our school is called Dowson Girls School. If you turn it into it's like you take the first words, then it's DGS, and then DGS, it's daily giving service. Oh, okay. So that's also something that we talk a lot about. Uh, we're also a christian school so we want to have that humble heart to serve a lot as well Mm. Yeah. so these are a few concepts behind my secondary school
0: right yeah daily giving service yeah interesting that's quite creative
1: it's it yeah i think it's it's quite a good balance between striving for excellence being always wanting to be the best and also like daily giving service like
0: being generous at the same time right? yes Um, okay did you play any sports uh, when you're young um
1: ever like i think starting from a very young age i swim Uh, and then uh i swim competitively until grade seven eight and then in grade four i started chinese martial arts and then grade 6. So, uh, starting from grade 4, I also did Chinese martial arts competitively. And I stopped in grade 12. So, mm-hmm. these were the two main sports that I did. Yeah.
0: Do you like swimming?
1: I love swimming. Why? I think it's just like I, I, s- I spent so much of my time and of my childhood in the water. It's like I don't feel comfortable on land. <laughs> so, oh, really? if you ask me to play any like badminton or table tennis, it's like... Um, like my hands cannot synchronize it's like very weird i can only make sure my hands and my legs work properly in the water i think it slowly got better after i started doing chinese martial arts because it's also uh, a sports that requires a lot of like synchronization in your hands and your arms and your legs yeah mm.
0: so what do you like about swimming so much
1: um I think some people find swimming really boring because you just go back and forth with the same posture. That would be me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people find that way. Um, For me, it's... I I really like the state where I'm not sitting and thinking about things. I'm actually moving. But swimming this... Swimming is like you don't really need to use your brain when -hmm. you swim. Like, of course, when you practice the techniques, you need to... Like, really think about it and be aware of where you put your arms, etc. But when you are doing those back and forth, like every, how to, every program, we call it a program, um, you don't really need to use your brain. And it's a really good time for me to think, because in the water, it's very quiet as well.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So it's, it's very comfortable for me.
0: So it's like that serenity that you can enjoy, like, when you're swimming. Yeah. Ah, now I get that. Because when I swam in the past, I really don't like it.
1: It's very really boring, right?
0: One is boring. Number two, I feel it's quite... I feel quite pressured by having mm-hmm. someone behind me. And I can't rest. I have to swim and swim. Because you, you need to go programs, yeah. right? So yeah. you need to swim and then you need to go back. And it's not just you swimming. And the whole pool behind you, in front of you, there are people.
1: Right, I'm those so, people behind you. <laughs> Yeah. I like to get past the person in front of me. <laughs>
0: like it's very pressured and yeah. uh, I don't like the smell either. It's like right. uh, right. Yeah and, and uh, I grew up playing team sports. Um,
1: ah, yes, I think that's another thing.
0: So I feel like swimming is a bit sad yeah, <laughs> lonely uh, I, for me.
1: I don't like playing team sports and when I was younger. It was oh, really? just too many things to care
0: about. Yeah, you cannot just focus on what you
1: it wasn't so technique based. It was more also like teamwork.
0: Yeah, you need to communicate. Yeah, yeah. To,
1: like, well, That was very complicated for me. <laughs>
0: Compromise, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. Right. Okay, I get it. Um, what about Chinese martial arts? I don't think this is a sport that's uh, popular, right? In Hong Kong.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's popular. Like, among, especially among, among students. Students, yeah, I don't think. And what, you don't play how, it competitively. How,
0: how, how did you like?
1: Get in touch with the sport. Exactly. So, in, pri- in our primary school, uh, it was an international school and we taught a lot about Chinese culture. Okay. And so, even so, maybe um, when you guys were in your schools, you named your classes according to XYZ or ABCD.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for us, we named it uh, after Chinese virtues. So, okay. Yan, Noi, Hao, Zhong. I don't really know how to translate, yeah. but these are like Chinese virtues. And, um, of course, then, if you talk about Chinese culture, then Chinese martial arts is a very big part of the sport of Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I got into the sport. Like, we had to do it as a PE-like sport. And um, in in grade four, I got into the Chinese martial arts team of the primary school. But we still do it, like, really not competitively. It was more like an interest. But slowly and slowly, I think... um, I just... You know, when you're in that environment, when your friends and your peers are doing it, then slowly you just want to get better. at I think maybe this, also, this is also because I'm a very competitive person. And so, so yeah, I just spent more time with sports. And um, I just worked, spent more time and worked hard on it. Mm. Yeah, and then in grade six, um, it, was very, it, it started to become very serious because I got into the like a Hong Kong team as well. So that took up a lot of effort and time mm. in my life.
0: Can you talk about that Hong Kong team experience? What was the highlight? Were there even some low lights?
1: Um. Wow. uh, Okay, I think back then, uh, I it wasn't really that low or high for me. It was just childhood, you know. You don't have too much emotions. You just go there and train and see yourself improve every day if you don't improve your coach will be like why are you not improving that kind but you don't really regard that that as any high and low Mm.
0: Um,
1: but if you ask me to reflect from now back um i think it was a very i was very busy so you go to school and then after school you immediately go to training and then after training you complete schoolwork and review it was just very packed back then in my life. Mm. Um, if you want to talk about specifically the training experience, I think um, it really pushes your limit because there's no excuse. Everyone in there is already very tall in that sport because you have to get a certain prize in the Hong Kong scale competition to get into the team. And so you compete every day. It wasn't like the coach would say, why are you worse than him or her? It was just that, Invisible pressure that everyone that culture, yeah. If you are not good enough, and then in the next assessment you'll be kicked out, and there will be so many people waiting in line just to get in. And so I think like that was the main thing that that pressured us all of us a lot, and everyone just put in a lot of effort to train. Um, And I think like that was also part of that also led to me leaving the team at the very end. Um, because back then I had a few issues so I was very tall so I used to get my weight down really quickly to make sure I can do the jumping moves and um, but it was also a lot of stress on like let's say muscle strength Mm. so slowly there was an injury in my knee Mm. that I couldn't bear anymore so I had to stop playing any sports for two years oh wow after that yeah
0: and when you look back now Like, how did this Chinese martial arts or Hong Kong team experience shape you? I
1: think I... Deep down, I tend to like to say there's no excuse. Like, uh, you either work hard enough, you get it. If you don't get it, then that means you're not working hard enough. Mm. Or you're not working smart enough. And like, either way, you will get there, to me, if you work hard enough. And so deep down there's still this thought in me every time I cannot accomplish something so I I think I rarely say I cannot do something or I reject doing something because I feel like if I can't do it then that means I'm not working hard enough and this is also how I see other people yeah so it's kind of not so good in a sense Yeah,
0: not so good as in?
1: Um, too harsh?
0: too harsh on yourself and on others?
1: I think on others
0: Right. Because
1: yeah. not everyone lives up to this devotion or expectation or standard. And for everyone, it's different. Mm. Yeah. This level of empathy, I guess. So you tend to believe
0: you can do everything as long as you work hard enough. Yeah. And how has this turned out for you?
1: Um, I think slowly and slowly it has it's because of the things that we do in Isaac is very different so back then when I was studying uh, when I was doing sports I still think this applies but um, slowly what you do in Isaac is most of it, or as you climb up to be a leader you, a lot of the things you have to accomplish is not only about yourself it's about you need to bring people to do it together with you or you need to motivate others to do it and that's why I said it's not good, as in um, like you if you want to motivate people, you don't actually say if you can't accomplish it, then it's because you're not working hard enough, right You have to go understand and like <clears throat> give them the certain skills to do it, or um, I actually don't like communicating with other people to push people to do things. I feel like it's it's your problem that you're not doing it, so <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just do it. Like I always set this assumption on people, and so um, it's it's actually given me quite a big like, is it called back or like,
0: like backlash?
1: Back yeah oh sorry yeah backlash yeah backlash in in working on Isaac because um, a lot of things I cannot complete because I'm not willing to do that communication mm. or yeah I I make that assumption that. If, it, if you don't do it then it's your problem so you better do it
0: <laughs> so what is your realisation since then?
1: Um, I, I think like I need to accept that I'm I'm not comfortable in communicating with people but given the position I'm in there are certain communications that I have to push myself to do and also improve on I'm doing
0: what for? like why, why do you need to push yourself for communication? because I
1: don't like talking to people
0: <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean like why can't you just not do the communication right. like um
1: i think being a leader is like you cannot do that much execution yourself like there's a lot of things you need to oversee a lot of things you need to track especially let's say tracking um there's things that you need to communicate and then like follow up on and so being a year in isaac you have a very short amount of time to deliver it's very important that you really try your very best to communicate to make sure that everything is completed so that you maximize the impact of the term. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, so let me flash a bit forward to your ISEC life then. Cool, okay. Um You have been <coughs> an MC for one year now, mm-hmm. almost one year. Huh? Yeah. Um, looking back from when you first decided to run for MC, <clears throat> right. um, How how about this? Like, let me first ask this: Like, why did you run for MCVPTM in the first place?
1: Um, I wanted to progress to MC from a very early age in my Isaac experience. Um,
0: like ten years ago, <laughs> when you first started your Isaac experience. <laughs>
1: I was a member in sixteen seventeen. Right. I was an OGV member, so it exactly. wasn't tenure. the year
0: when I was born.
1: Right? Wow. Yeah. So how are you now? Five. Wow. Damn it. Anyways, let's let's come back. Sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Back then, I was an LCP, and I was in year three. Yeah. yeah. Year three of my university, uh, yeah, journey. And then, I was like, okay, I'm gonna um, like take a rest for one year and then complete my education because year four month and then uh, I will then progress to MC la, like do full time and be whole like wholeheartedly like focused on this job of MC Uh, and then I I think it was like Darren came to me to ask about his plan because back then I was LCP
0: and I I was running for MCP yeah yeah
1: he was running for MCP and as I was looking at his plan, I was like, oh yeah, the team stuff makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, everything makes a lot of sense. Like, mm, yeah, this is what Isaac needs. Like, that was the mindset I had back then. And um, I really see how having an aligned, um, uh, aligned picture or aligned way of seeing things is so important um, if you progress to MC or be an MCVP. Like, mm. I feel it would be so much more efficient. Or effective everything because we would spend less time to argue about like this stuff and yeah, yeah we would move forward a lot faster and so uh, I struggled to to progress and but I feel like um, it, if I have to work in an MC team that means like most likely twenty four seven needs to communicate with MCP then then um, yeah well, I might as well find someone or follow someone that I feel is has more alignment. And so I progressed to MCVP.
0: Right. Yeah. Um like having been through this one year up and down experience. Right. What were your biggest learnings?
1: Um So I think I have to put it put this out here first. Like I'm not the most immediately reflective person. Like right. usually consolidations come really late for me. But um I think if you want to ask me about the biggest struggle is um, the value of holding people accountable Mm -hmm. like it's such a struggle for me Um, I remember like okay so if you understand back then so I'm a person that feel like if you don't do it then it's a problem so you better do it right and um, but at the same time you understand like if you want to hold people accountable to make sure they deliver then you need to put effort to communicate and especially being an MC level you don't get to directly drive a lot of changes you need to make sure let's say your standing committee or like the other LCPs understand your picture really own your picture and then will want to deliver this change in their LC and this is something that I really failed to do this year as an MCVP, and um, I struggled a lot at the end so at the end I compromised thinking that yes I will need to communicate but I think compromise is too heavy a word, but you get the concept. Um, but then I didn't know how to communicate. Then it was, it was like suddenly c started from being someone that is more like a supportive and soft leader to someone that's really pushy and someone that's very mean and someone that only talks about work and then bye-bye, don't waste my time, that kind of person. And so I think um, this is a balance that I couldn't take. And, and up till now, I'm still working on this balance knowing that I have to communicate, but I have to communicate well as well. Mm. So, yeah, this is my greatest struggle of the year. Yeah. Right. What do you feel then as an MCP, like as MCP looking at your MCP? I think looking
0: at the looking at the concept, holding people accountable, what I witnessed is uh, a lot of people would twist the meaning. Like um, it means scolding people in their mind. Yeah. It mean it might mean uh, attacking people, mm. calling people out for their foolishness, mm. just making people feel bad and right. feel they are like um, terrible at yeah. their job. The essence uh, of accountability is really about um, like uh, seeing things that are not as what you expected and then asking about it I think that's already a step of holding people accountable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you ask about it so when you, so let's say you, saw, you see some data or you just see some progress that's unsatisfat- unsatisfactory you ask what's going on so that's right. the first step and then the second step is based on what that person t- tells you that's data and you can actually use that data to make decisions. Mm. So you can decide, okay, you know, making too many excuses. Um, I understand you have a lot of struggles. What I can help you do now is have you prioritize the schedule mm. or schedule your priorities. And uh, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. Mm. That could be one way of handling it. The other way is if you truly believe the person that's failing deadlines that's having unsatisfactory performances because that person's really overloaded then you as a team leader can make a decision of just delegating some of his or her work to someone else Mm -hmm. or just removing some of the work that that person is working on so I think the essence of holding people accountable is really just to spot the parts where it's not going as planned and uh, asking about it and in the end prescribing a solution to fix Mm. it. Uh, That's in itself holding people accountable. Um, And the last analogy I would like to use to uh, explain this really well is like just imagine ISEC as a factory or just as a machine. Um, If I'm someone who's doing quality control, Mm. I'll be checking up the machine every day Mm. to see if there are any parts that are malfunctioning. So when there are parts that are malfunctioning, what will I do? I will try to spot why is it malfunctioning and I'll prescribe a solution. And that process itself is holding people accountable in Isaac context.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, I think how I find it difficult is I see it the machine way, but sometimes you're dealing with people. I, I don't know how to take the balance of not communicating. Or maybe personally, I overthink a lot. Like I, I, I'm a person that I don't really like to deal with drama. And I feel like every time I hold people accountable, people will start to be sour and then drama happens. I agree. I have this drama in my mind as well. Yeah. And so this is something I struggle the most with.
0: I I agree in the sense that some people might feel, might take it personal. I, I also personally experience this when I held people accountable or when people held me accountable in the past. I think it comes down to whether the person you're leading feels, feel, feels that or trusts that you as a team leader is genuinely thinking for their interests. Mm. Like if you're holding them accountable to make them feel bad about themselves without actually making them feel like you're trying to help out, then of course they would, they would just antagonize you. Right. Just ask you to back off. Right. I think it's about asking questions making sure you understand them making them feel like you're on the same page then once you have that once you have the data then the decisions that you make would definitely make them feel like you're a reasonable person mm-hmm. you, you, are, you are someone who can who they can reason with yeah, totally. um, so for anyone listening and like everyone listening to this podcast Holding people accountable is not about seeing bad performance and scolding immediately. Mm-hmm. Because that way, you're fostering a culture where people don't want to speak about their poor performance. They want to hide the things that they are struggling right. with because they will feel like their team leader is going to scold at them.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas as a team leader, you want to actually foster a culture where people are willing to speak up right, and right, be honest. Exactly. Because again, those are data. If you don't have these data, you're allowing your machine to break down without mm-hmm. you knowing that without you knowing beforehand it's about to break yeah. down yeah. right yeah. so that's why holding people accountable it's important and that's why it's it's even more important that people know how to do it right mm. don't scold ask questions once you get the data prescribe the solution make a decision you still want that person to do it if the mindset of, if mm-hmm. it has to be done it needs to be done or you you decide that he's overloaded you want to delegate some of the things mm-hmm. that he's working on to someone else yeah, right.
1: I just want to add the final point uh, if it's like you also need to make sure you have a habit of appreciating because yeah, it, yeah. it has to come in hand with accountability if, if you only hold people accountable then no matter how logical you are in doing that process, people will still think that you are the leader that's called
0: them more. yeah I agree with this, this is something I really uh, struggle with also oh. so uh, yeah lately I'm trying to not not lately even. I think it's just half a year ago. I've been reflecting. I realized I tend to just underappreciate mm. myself mm. and others. Yeah. And even recently, I also have a very genuine conversation with one of my team members, uh, MC or LC. I'm not going <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to... Don't need to
1: disclose so much. am not going <laughs> to
0: disclose who that person is. <laughs> and that conversation just made me feel like make me reflect okay i need to appreciate a little bit more Mm. it's tough for me it's really tough for me it's Mm. not as easy Mm. but i I i'm consciously working on it yeah okay okay um last part i want to talk about your future plans wow um (laughs) not those when are you getting married when you (laughs) finding a boyfriend that that, that, those questions but really like uh next year so in Hong Kong, it's rare that people stay for two years of MC. You have stayed for one year, and you have chosen to stay one more year. Why?
1: Um, wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's just suddenly you're asking this question. Um, I think... So I've been in Isaac for a few years, and I've seen... I've seen... MCP's not coming from the pre- previous MC team. Yeah. And um I think there's this discontinuation discontinu- because um it's very normal that when people progress to MCP, they have their own plans. Mm. They have their own picture because as an MCP, you need that intensity of vision to lead the entity and it's normal. But uh, MCP, not from the MC team, previous MC team, will find it very difficult to sustain the picture of the previous MC team mm. because they 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 want that originality, something that is really like unique to them as a leader. And um, I think first of all is I'm not a person that cares so much about this uniqueness. I feel like uh, this is a p- picture that I want to strive towards. Right.
0: Um,
1: and a second thing is. Um, like just let me say this I feel like there's a lot of things incomplete in 1920 because of um, the situation we went through Uh, we we wanted to plan a lot of things and we did plan a lot of things in the team but a lot of things couldn't be executed and these are things that I feel needs a very strong continuation Um, I personally brought like progressing to this MC team as an MC VP I really bought into how we wanted to de- deliver a value-driven organization. These things I feel very core to, and I really want to um, sustain it. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think I progressed to MCP. And I think more or less is I really have a s- strong sense of ownership, wanting to give back. I really like the people here. And so I want to give it one more year. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, every time someone speaks about values, it really hits me because Like, genuinely, I I, I believe uh, people are at the core of every organization, right? That's the basic concept. And uh, if you really want the people to be engaged in this community, there needs to be something that links people up. Mm. Uh, And values are the, the set of components that bring people together.
1: Yes, that's, that's the right common base six for, for the people in this organization it's exactly. very important
0: yeah because we, we don't have to think from a very complicated angle just think about the relationships, relationships you have like family friends or if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend the fundamental thing is is there a fairly alignment because there are things that we cannot argue about it's yeah. just right to me it's right to me then it's right to me yeah. if it's right to you it's right to you uh, if it's right to you and it's, it's wrong to me, there's no way that we can figure a yeah. way out. Right? I
1: think in Cantonese it's easier to understand a concept. It's called like God's a gun. So if exactly. if there's different in gods a gun on values, then it's like there's no if every day you have to argue about the something things, that's
0: very fundamental. Yeah.
1: Then you're wasting
0: time to actually make progress. Yes. Yes. So um uh, yeah, so when, when you can cultivate a community where people are fellow aligned, uh you allow people to really feel they're part of this community and when 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 people can be united uh on the base of fellow alignment then they can have their diversity in terms of their personalities working styles some people might be more logical some people may be more feeling based then they can shine with these differences but Mm -hmm. first prerequisite is they need to be united on a common ground right right it's Yeah, it's simple as that, right? right? So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm really grateful also for you stepping up as the MCP. Thank uh, you, good uh, work on
1: appreciation. I think
0: there are a lot of things (laughs) that can or don't have to be continued, but one of the things I really think every great organization in this world, not just Isaac, has in common is a strong culture. And culture starts from values. Right. And culture eats strategy for breakfast. Breakfast, yes. Right.
1: yes.
0: Culture determines what you think. Yeah. And what you think determines the strategy.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Exactly. So um, I appreciate that.
1: Uh thanks, Darren.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, applying what I yeah, reflected yeah. right into practice. Yeah,
1: so like, learning driven.
0: Exactly. Um, okay, so last words. What do you want to achieve? not the last words of your life last words for this podcast what do you want to achieve the most in your next term in short maybe one sentence
1: um, I don't know if you're looking for a very KPI I don't think I don't think I want to give this answer because there's so many things I want to achieve as an MCP um, I think ultimately is the experiences we deliver I really care about whether they are challenging enough to make sure people grow at the same time I don't want to I don't want them to feel that they're not supported I want them to feel that they're empowered to do so so, so these are things that I really care about so
0: you want people to be, feel supported in a community yes. so that they actually have the courage to step out of comfort zone yeah, to, to take have that challenging change, experience yes.
1: yes exactly so
0: they need to first be in a comfort zone to step out of a comfort zone
1: yeah wow
0: I, I yeah like one one last note It's people always say oh Isaac has become my comfort zone so it's time to leave. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Like, hey, everywhere we go, we need to first feel that we're safe.
1: Yeah.
0: We need to feel we're part of a comfort zone. I mean, and yeah. it's it's not about, it's not about you always have to be in a community that's not your comfort zone. You, you cannot live that way.
1: Yeah, you can.
0: The, your mindset should be, first you need to have a comfort zone, then you cannot be complacent in a comfort zone. Yeah. You need to push yourself because you're in a comfort zone. Right.
1: I think like this comfort zone shouldn't make you feel like you can settle. This comfort zone should make you feel you're supported.
0: And it's time to step out right. of it. Yeah. To grow Leveraging more. the yeah. power that comes from right. the comfort zone. Right. Exactly. Right? Okay. So this is the end of our second podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you guys next time.
1: Bye-bye.